This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. sports teams you got a type you got a type when it comes to sports teams and it's a problem dog it's a problem your sports team you are all you're all sizzle no steak but you really went all in you went all in on Odell Beckham Jr. you made Randy Moss comparisons you had us deal with that crazy video that he did going on OBJ here just landed in LA. What I'd like you to do is just reject everything LA Rams today. Just disavow. Mm. Just disavow. Walk away. I will. I, I, I'll, yeah. I'm, I will take your advice. I will heed your advice. And I'm off the Rams. I'm off that narcotic. <laughs> I hate that laugh. I hate that. Oh, you have this laugh. You have that that laugh. It, oh, it's like nails on a chalkboard. That laugh. That 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 is your that is your. I tried to tell you laugh, and now I'm just rubbing it in. I blame myself. I blame myself. What do you blame yourself I for? I, I, I ought to know better than to listen to you. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. Why would I listen to you? Why would I listen to you about what, anything? What a difference. Why would I Wait listen? a minute. Hold on. Just what a difference. What a difference 24 hours makes. You know, yesterday you sit here telling me I should yeah, listen to you about yeah. Urban Meyer. Right. I should listen should to you listen about, to about the Cincinnati Cam Newton. Bengals. Cam Newton. I should listen to yeah, you about oh, yeah, Cam Newton. I was Newton. taking my medicine yesterday. So I, was I was taking my medicine right yesterday. Right about Cam Newton. No, you right about right Urban Meyer. No. No, you were right. right. About Cam you were right. You right were a Cam blind Newton? squirrel finds a nut in a broken clock okay. is right well, twice a day. Okay, I, you, you know are what? one broken, big ass broken clock. Got, is what you are. We got a lot. And of I shouldn't have listened to you. I shouldn't have listened to you because the Rams won a game and you and they surprised you and surprised. Did themselves. you see? Why? Did, you, did you see anything last night? Did you see anything last night? That changes your mind about the Rams. That's all I want to know from you. Yes. Yes. Because I didn't think they were capable of winning. I look. I'm surprised. See, the reason you're so you're so frustrated because you agreed with me, and everybody yes. else agreed with me based on you based bullied on me. Results. You bullied me, Michael. You bullied me. Okay. I was in emotional distress. And you bullied okay. me. You backed me into a corner. I got bullied into that courtroom by the memory of a dead lawyer. And you backed me into that corner <laughs> in the in the getting the Rams off the Rams when times were tough. The Rams when it got did hot it. in the kitchen, you got me, and I should have stuck to my guns. The Rams did that to you. That the, my Rams would the come Rams around. The Rams did it to you. But no, oh my Rams. 
All right, look, you you did this. You you found yourself in this position because the Rams let you down. The Rams they got pumped. faced with with faced with tough situations. They never delivered. They got pumped. And the fact that they delivered the Titans last night, and the 49ers. I didn't expect that. Both punked them. The Titans and the 49ers both punked them, and then the Packers outplayed them coming off the bye. And they beat the Jaguars last week. Did I expect them to win last night? No, I said no yesterday way. that I had the Cardinals. I, well, not no way. You make it seem like it was just out of the question. But I had the Cardinals last night. I, I did not trust the Rams going into it based on their recent you know, body of work. Here we go. But as the facts change, as the facts change, so should our opinions. So I'll ask That's you right. again, and maybe you were going, maybe you would have answered if I let you. So that's my bad. What, what what changed for you after watching last night? No, but but you were you weren't finished. What changed for you after watching? Well, last I was, night? okay. This is what I didn't think they were capable of doing. I didn't think they were capable of going on the road and beating a team that likes to hang its hat on on some element of toughness. And so the Arizona Cardinals, as as fancy, as interesting, as exotic as their offense is, their defense, it just is nothing. Um, there's nothing fluky about it. There's nothing gimmicky about their defense. Their defense is legit. And they were able to have their way against the Cardinals defense when it mattered. And they did it their way. Can I give a shout out to Sony Michelle and Sony Michelle discarded from New England. He would have fit just well, oh, oh, uh, well very well with the Patriots. Out. Okay. No, I'm okay. saying, but oh, yeah, so keep well, on, keep I'm gonna on. tell you why. I'm gonna tell you why it's my first shout out. Because this is what Sean McVay wants to do. Sean McVay ultimately wants to run and then do all of the actions off of the running game. And Sony mm. Michelle allowed him to do that. Their running game allowed them to do that last night. Allowed Matthew Stafford to have his three touchdown passes. But if it's just really, oh. you just sit back and let Matthew Stafford. I'm not taking anything away from Stafford. He, he played Sounds a great like game. He played a brilliant. He played a brilliant <laughs> game. You seem like you're reluctantly giving this it is, to him. Okay, good. This is okay, not a bad. day. This is not a day for Matthew Matthew Stafford. Never won a playoff game. Dome quarterback takes. It's not okay. a day for freezing cold. Not, takes. Not, no, we're not. We're not bringing that up today. Got it. Got it. Okay. Not today. I, I, I not see what today. you did there. But I see anyway, what you did there. No, they're, no, their running game allows uh, anybody, Sony Michelle, and anybody else to kind of do the uh, Sony Michelle and anybody else. That running game allows the quarterback to do what he does. But I, you know, this is what I missed about the Rams. This is the other thing. How obvious. And I see you referenced it. We'll talk about it with some more depth. But the Rams, how could I call a team soft? An entire team. When the identity of a team, generally, we'd look at the coach, uh, uh, the quarterback, and maybe ownership. But, but generally on the field, it's coach and quarterback with the Rams. It's the coach and their best player, a defensive tackle, a defensive lineman. How can I, I say anybody? How can I say a team that 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 team's identity is in a defensive lineman? How can I call that team soft? So well, well, but they gonna, were, well no, 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 yeah, that's not, no, that's not I, fair because I, unfortunately, there aren't 11. That. Unfortunately, there aren't 11 Aaron Donalds who He's reminded us setter. last night in case we culture forgot. Setter. He's still the best player in the NFL regardless That's of going position. A too far. But That's going uh, too far. But He's the but best player in the NFL man, regardless of position. Okay, argue with your outrageous. mama. And I love okay. her, but argue no. with your mama. Um, no. Outrageous. Mama. Okay, see, but you talk about me going too far. You can say I disagree. 
But then you're like outrageous. It's like no, it's not outrageous. outrageous. There are plenty of That's people outrageous. who agree with me. No, it's not. And that's not outrageous. You can say it's incorrect. You can say you just that's not a hot take. That's not a hot that Aaron Donald's the best player in the NFL. That's not a hot take. The best player that's in the NFL. Like, that's not even warm. That's not even regardless five seconds of position. Warming up a honey bun in the microwave warm. Like, no, that's yeah, not, and, no, and here's it's Aaron Donald. Thing. You don't it's even Aaron believe Donald. it. Okay. I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. I don't say shit. I don't believe now. I may now you may think I'm crazy for believing it, but if I say it, I believe it. And if I tell you I don't believe it, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this is tongue in cheek. Aaron Donald's the best player in the NFL. Okay. Now, moving right along. Now that we've established that. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. Before we move it on. What? What? Based on what? Well, what? What are we basing that on his... right now? What? What? What are we basing that on in 2021? What are we basing? Aaron Dodd. So are we saying because the argument I've always heard and maybe what I need is somebody to expand the argument because I always I hear the same one and it's kind of tired. So the one I always hear I hope this is not yours. The one I always hear is Aaron Donald is so much better at what he does than the second best defensive player that no other player in any position really laps the field like Aaron Donald does. And I can tell you that may have been true in the past, but it's not true in 2021. And what Aaron are you basing Dodd, that on? Aaron, and what are you basing uh, that Parsons, on? Micah Parsons, your boy. Oh, I thought, oh, I'm so bullshit. glad you asked the question. No, see, it's, that, in listen, okay. it's in your feed. It's in your feed. It's in your feed. Here's the problem. Right. Now, no, but but, stay now, out of what? my feed. Stay out of my business and stay out of my feed. Stay, stay out of my feet. My feet ain't your business. Don't worry about my feet. Don't worry about it's, what it, I be it's doing. It's public. Okay? It's public. No. No, it is public domain, right? No, but, no, but no, but okay. First of all, I know analytics can be complicated for you, so forget any kind of advanced statistics. All right, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not referencing any kind of advanced statistics, analytics, or anything like that, which probably still hey, don't way, do Aaron Donald justice. Only way analytics are complicated Parsons, is if they're muddled if Michael Parsons. So I blame if analytics, Michael Parsons anyway. wins Defensive Player of the Year. Not only will yep. it be deserved. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Okay. he would also have been the beneficiary of a narrative, which is right now gaining momentum by the week, which with each and every outstanding performance, it's gaining momentum. New guy, momentum. New guy, rookie, helping along with Trayvon Diggs to transform Dan Quinn's Dallas defense. Okay, America's team. Sounds like you're taking credit away from Micah Parsons. Sounds like no, no, I'm not at all. I'm not at all. It sounds like a Stafford. I'm saying Micah Parsons can be defensive player of the year for that matter. uh, TJ Watt or Miles Garrett can be defensive player of the year. But Aaron Donald is still not only the best defensive player, but the best player in the NFL, regardless of position. Aaron Donald is to defensive players and specifically defensive tackles. What Cliff Kingsbury said that Bill Belichick is to head coaches. What LeBron James traditionally has been to MVP. What Shaquille O'Neal and Michael Jordan were to MVP before LeBron James. What Tom Brady is to arguments about best quarterback. You can give them the, the award every year if you want to. But somebody else, you may just decide to give it to somebody new who has a great season. But I think if you ask most people, they would say regardless of position, that's why like the idea of you saying it's outrageous is outrageous in and of itself to me. Like Aaron Donald, that's not a stretch by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, and I I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to it, but I'm pretty sure 
uh, NFL Network, NFL.com's top 100 players had him at number one. Or if it wasn't this year, he's been number one several times. Yeah. Or in sure. the conversation for number one. one. He's number one. Okay. So, but, you, but, over, there, but I don't want to get caught over, up in Aaron Donald. It's a, I don't want to get caught up in it either. I just want to point out to you, it, this is the last thing I'll say, and then you take it for what it, you can let it go or you can respond to it. I'm just going to tell you that in, in the little flurry that you had where you said Bill Belichick is to coaches and Michael Jordan is to basketball players and LeBron James, you know, that's different eras. You did point out Aaron Donald and Tom Brady in the same statement. So they both play They're contemporaries. So if Aaron Do so is Tom Brady not the goat or Tom Brady's the goat based on what he's done in the past or Tom Brady's just a goat of quarterbacks and not best of all players. But here's what I don't understand. Since this is what I don't get. See, I need you to make up your mind because it wasn't that long ago when I had to convince you this was like two weeks ago when I had to convince you that Tom Brady was still a top 10 quarterback. You think I don't remember this? You think I don't what remember you what you said? Me? No, you but I'm saying me? so now you, you caping up for I'm Tom Brady you. all of a sudden. I'm just, I'm, you caping I'm just, up for Tom Brady. Wondering, I'm wondering where you're coming from. That's all. I'm just, I'm just trying to understand. Your I don't argument. know where I'm coming from at this point. I'm confused. You know, I don't know where I'm coming from because to okay. be, if I'm if we're being honest, if we're being honest, because do I know definitively that Aaron Donald is? A, do I know definitively that Aaron Donald is a better player than Tom Brady? No, none of us no, knows. No, you don't. But that's my take, and that's my job okay. to draw a line in the okay. sand and to have a take and defend it and not let people Binary. like you talk me off it. This, this yes. or that. Binary. This Aaron or Donald that. better than Tom Brady. It is even though they play different positions white. and do different things. Yes, it is they play Simon different positions or and do different things. It's Aaron Donald. That's it. End of conversation. It he is just so Eric happens to be the most handsome. He just so happens to be the most handsome player in the NFL. And if you don't get that okay. reference, then I don't no. know what to tell you. Oh, I got it. I got okay. it. I got it. Okay. Now, that, yeah, little, 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 just, I'm just a little biased. I'm just a little biased. Now, where were we? Okay. Oh, back to the Rams. Back to the lecture at hand. Back to the Rams. The Rams. Back to the Rams. Okay. You shouldn't let me. I, I don't know saying, anything. Bro broke blind squirrel, broken clock. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, let we got there. There we go. Well, we got there because you were saying that you went too far. And both of us called them soft, <laughs> capital T. Both of, us called, both of us said that after they got pushed around, uh, in prime time by the Niners and that was after getting pushed around by the Titans the week before they went on the bye, they come back and lose to the Packers uh, and then they beat the Jaguars and then that brings us to last night. So even though they have Aaron Donald as the best player on their team uh, and, and the face of their franchise, they weren't playing very tough. They were being out muscled. So I think it was fair uh, to say that they were at least playing soft. Maybe not they are soft but they were behaving real soft. Um, yesterday, we saw something different, not just from a physical standpoint, Michael, but from a mental standpoint. So yesterday, they lose. Better yet, Gary, uh, cue this up real quick. Uh, let's get Sean McVay. Sean McVay can say it better than I can. I'll, just, I'll give you the listen. I'll let Sean McVay speak to what I'm speaking to. Just give me Sean McVay uh, when you get a second, Gary. Jalen Ramsey and Tyler Higby went on the COVID list yesterday. They'd already That's lost right. Darrell Henderson, Rob Havenstein, uh, and uh, Deontay Dion um, were already on the COVID list, having been placed in the past few days. To go on the road to Arizona and win under those circumstances, here's Sean McVay. 
That's what the best do. You know, they play their best when their best is required. We talk about competitive greatness all the time. This guy's the epitome of competitive greatness. Um, you know, really proud of Aaron. Not at all surprised, but he's a special player, special person. And, um, you know, you, you felt his presence from the very first snap and then to the last one, and he was outstanding tonight. I felt good, man. I definitely felt good. Definitely had some one-on-one opportunities and, you know, took advantage of them. And, um, you know, we were just playing. We had, a, I think we had a good game plan going in there to the point where, um, we was able to give different looks to make them give them five oh looks and you know, block us one on one and um you know, obviously when I get the one on ones I gotta take advantage of that and you know, got enough opportunities today to, to you know, have that game that you know that that I'm used to having and you know it was a big game for us today, so just gotta keep building off it. All right, a little miscommunication on our part. That wasn't the soundbite I was talking about, um, that I was looking for. But nonetheless, Sean McVeigh spoke to uh his this this is the quote from him. He said, my initial reaction was, you got to be shitting me. On Saturday morning, we find out that we're losing three really important players. Uh, and then on Monday morning, oh, by the way, now you're losing Jalen Ramsey and Tyler Higby. He said, I can't say enough about the guy's ability to not flinch. You don't replace those kinds of guys, but that's why you have 48 guys that play on game day, and we certainly use everybody today. Point being, not just from a physical standpoint, Michael, but me- a mental toughness on the part of the Rams mm-hmm to go into Arizona shorthanded last night, that showed me more about uh, the Rams than I believe that they possess. Because I'd started to buy into your uh, conviction as you, as, you, as, you read, as you read me, you know, as you made this about me and, and, and my poor judge of yeah. character, both personally and in terms of sports, I started to buy in that maybe they just didn't have it in here or in here to, to be able yourself. to be the contender that I thought they would yourself. be. No, they, but they didn't they didn't do yeah. me any favors, but we've gone way too long and you, I'm not gonna let you get away with doing it in passing. I'm not gonna let you get away with in passing talking about. Oh, yeah, Matthew Stafford was good last night. Matthew Stafford was incredible last night. I said Matthew Stafford. Good. Did you? Well, maybe I just need to hear it I again. Did. I'm sorry. I I, maybe I was too busy talking. I didn't hear you. Well, good. Well, I just want you to say it again. Because just you because the no, issue for you with the Rams is really Matthew Stafford more than anything. This goes back to yeah. for those in case you missed it, but those that have been with it. us all season. This goes back to Michael Holly feeling some kind of way that the Rams yeah. thought they were upgrading from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford. Ooh. And last night you saw why Stafford did his thing Ooh. last night, even through a touchdown to some dude named Odell Beckham Jr who I believe you also yep. wrote off. Seemed to have a nice connection with OBJ last night as well. Threw some dimes to him. Um, and hey, this is uh, in this context, Michael, Matthew Stafford, one could argue, that was his biggest win of his career last night because, and this Ooh. is why you've been, yeah, this is why you've been on him so much. As you know, he's on three because. in the playoffs. Yep. But last night was his first career career win versus an opponent that was at least five games over 500. He never beaten a team. Oh, and 17 ki- previously. Now, listen, I'm, that's I'm an not amazing kidding. Step. Oh, he had been 0 and 17. He had been 0 and 17 worse than a Super Bowl error against teams at least five step. games over 500. So one could argue that that was the biggest, most significant win of his career. And while it was not a playoff game, I recognize it was not a playoff game. Nonetheless, that was a performance under pressure. It wasn't postseason pressure, but it was a performance under pressure by a player who people like you question whether or not he's built for the bright lights. He showed it last night. Yeah. Yeah, and not only not only to get this win 
against a good team, a really good team, a team that's in front of you in the in the division, in their place, gives you a chance, gives you a chance at least uh, of taking over the division and getting yourself in a playoff position. Now, I think it's going to be a little bit of a fight for them to take over the number one seed because top two seed doesn't really matter. It's one. It's one for the buy yeah. under these new playoff rules. But this is a, it's a big moment for him because that's the one thing he has to prove. I can continue to do this, play this little immature game that I'm playing, and I will continue to play it. But it's very immature and petty on my part to keep, to keep pointing out Matthew Stafford's playoff record because the playoffs don't start until next year. So, look, I can, I can have my fun at Matthew Stafford's expense for another few weeks, and then the postseason starts. And he can shut people like me up. They will be playing most likely on opening weekend. They'll play, and he'll have an opportunity to say this is a different. This is a different situation. Detroit's Detroit. I've moved on here. I am an upgrade, and he is an upgrade, and I am capable of winning in the postseason, in a dome or not. So we'll see, Mike. Okay, we'll see. Uh, by the way, okay. uh, so, I want to so, see if so you, you can. So, that, uh, so, that, so you do believe? I just want to make sure I heard you right. You do, yeah. and, and, li- and listen, before we both start, you know, scheduling a parade for them, they got Seattle next, then at Minnesota, at Baltimore, and then versus those 49ers again. So the rest of their schedule is certainly no cakewalk. But I just want to make sure I heard you. You are now a believer that the Rams can win a game or two in the playoffs. Is that, am, I, am I hearing you right, or did I, was my, my IB giving me a problem? Like, you believe that the Rams, yeah, maybe they don't come out of the NFC. IB. No, no, I didn't say that. Oh, that's not what that's, that's not what you that's not what you were no, suggesting no, no, just now. No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. All right. You no, don't no, believe that. So, so they, so you're thinking this no. team is still one and done. They may get to the playoffs, hey, what did, but that playoff what did, record is uh, going to be zero and four. What did Patrick Mahomes say? I, I I'll see it when I believe it. <laughs> what he what he twist? What he talking about Justin Herbert? I, uh, yeah, I'll see it when yeah. I believe it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's it. sounded like way, you were getting I, close like to. See, Saying something nice. Yeah, I, you, it's not like you about to say something was, nice about Stafford. I was saying something. Now, I was saying I was being a little petty, and maybe it's time for me to grow up, but I'll grow up next year. Okay. Not in 21. I mean, yeah. I only got a few weeks left in 21. Why not keep it going? And then in 22, I'll become a better person and all that stuff. Hey, I'd love to see you pull off that look that Aaron Donald had last night. Can you do that? You got a shirt like that? You got a little, you got a little jewelry? You got no. that? Can you, can you pull off that look? Can you do it? No, no. I've, I've I've always thought that Aaron Donald. I, I, that's 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 awfully flat. I'm awfully flattered by that. Uh, if, if if there is a resemblance between me and Aaron Donald, it oh, is from a the neck up. For sure. It was it is from the neck up, and it was ten years ago. Let's <laughs> just put it that way. <laughs> I should be no, so lucky. No, man. <laughs> I would say. I should be no, so that's, lucky. No, that's family right there. That's family. You know what? Not only is that family, I just want to be clear. That's same mama, same daddy. You know what I mean? Like, that's like, you know, you, you, gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be specific. Y'all got the same mama, same daddy. Yeah, same mama, same daddy. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, same gotta mama, be specific. Same daddy. Yeah. And, and raised in yeah. the same house, raised in the same house. You know, the whole thing. I mean, if, I, if when I grow the beard and it's dark, I, I'm close. I'm close. It's like I got the five o'clock shadow right now. I'm close, but. Uh, Anyway, I, I, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna yeah, be Johnny come whatever. lately. I'm not gonna That's be it. Johnny come lately or or, or fair weather guy and just 
jumped on and off the bandwagon. It don't work like that. But if nothing else, I think the Rams should get more respect after last night. Because plenty of hey, people by the way, were writing them off too far too soon to write them off. And you got him there. Because I don't know what he got on, but you rocking that Paul. That's a Paul. That's a Paul Smith pinstripe suit. Uh, circa a good eye. 2000. Good eye. Yeah, circa 2004. Good eye. Five, somewhere around there. I think that was. Yeah. I, yeah. That's that's that that's that trip to Neiman Marcus. There First it is. time I ever stepped foot in Neiman Marcus was, was with you. And I was like, Yo, man, I don't make your money. Not yet, at least. <laughs> Not yet. Well, I'm, I'm resting Steph tomorrow. So. <laughs> Is that true? Or have you decided for sure yet? Uh, I, just so we're clear, that I you just, know you're not. So, so there's a good chance Steph will play. Thank you. Couldn't resist. Steve, speaking about. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Yeah, I'm sure uh, that would have gotten a call from Adam Silver if uh, if Steve Kerr would have chosen tonight to pull a low maintenance coaching decision, DNP coaching decision for one Stephen Curry, who is two three pointers away from passing Ray Allen for most regular season threes in NBA history. Of course, he already has the most combined threes between regular season and postseason. Postseason uh, tonight. Um, is his uh, final coronation, uh, you know, for for a, a title, for a crown that he's worn, I don't know, for almost a decade, for, I, I don't think it's been a debate for 2003s. I think 2003s ago, he was the greatest shooter in NBA history, but, and, uh, and we can get into that, but I, I got to start, Michael, by saying thank you for speaking yes. this into existence, because, um, Last week, this is what I wanted. You were hoping that he didn't break it. You wanted Steve Kerr yep. to rest him in Indiana. But didn't we got to. the best of both worlds. He made five threes last night, but still came up short of breaking the record. So we get how fitting that we get the greatest showman in team sports history, says Michael Smith. Sorry for the third person. Breaking the record in the world's greatest arena. Couldn't ask for a better hmm. script. I'm telling you, uh, you're absolutely right. Look, Mike, this is this is like the best, other than being in San Francisco, setting the record in San Francisco. This is the best you could have. No, not Charlotte, uh, where where his his father played, not in Cleveland or the Cleveland area where he was born. None of that. Uh, his legend was not, born. In MSG in 2013. This is MSG. That 54.9. Yeah. It's going this to. I, I, I love this. And I'm going to speak something else into existence. This is exactly what basketball fans deserve. TNT, Tuesday night, Knicks, Warriors, 
not one great team versus a team that's a little disappointing or a lot disappointing in New York. But the entire NBA is watching when you're playing in New York. You feel like the entire NBA is watching anyway, whether the game's on TNT or not. But I feel like th this this special thing is going to happen. I think Steph Curry is going to break the record in the first first half of the first quarter, like you know, five, six minutes into the game. He'll have a couple of yeah. threes yeah. And, and he'll break it. Then yeah. once that once that milestone is out of the way, I think Steph Curry yeah. is going to have one of those 40 or 50 point games because this is just what he does. Right. What when you say he's a great showman, th that's that's another thing about greatest. Uh, uh, or, or the greatest, the greatest showman. If you really have that title, if you're going to be serious about that, it can't be random. You know, like some people say, oh, it just happens the way it happens. It's organic yeah. and hey, I can't force it. No, a great showman says New York. He meets the moment. Okay, here we yeah. go. Oh, here we it's go. Greatest arena. Here we go. They're coming to see me. I got everybody yeah. there. I got everybody there yeah. courtside. It's the the intentional bright lights on the court and dim. Uh, the theater style is dim in the seats in the audience, but all the focus is on the court. Steph Curry is going to go off tonight and almost everybody mm -hmm. almost. I don't know if you heard about this. Almost everybody's going to be happy about it. Now I saw uh, New York. I think it was New York magazine had an article. Everybody loves Steph. We're talking about the popularity of Steph Curry. We're very excited about it. But there's somebody that we both know, Michael. I'm not even making this up. It's crazy. Somebody we both know is not really a fan of what Steph Curry has done for himself and by extension to the game of basketball. You want to take a guess who that person is? Who who would be I, uh, in the, I me mean, in I, the media? Media. A, a media member? Yeah. Who you know? That's Who not a work that I know. Yeah. I used to work with. I used to work with him too. We work with him together. Yeah. And, and I he, mean, he, he may even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. I'm, I'm trying to be nice, man. Don't, don't, don't make me have to. You put know, the headline. Who, who up. man? Put, I, put the, who? Put the headline I up. I don't know what you're talking about. Come on you're now. You trying to troll me now? Come on now. No, no. Don't troll me, please. No, hey, hey, hey you, you know, got it. There it is. Oh, Bob. Look at that. Look at that headline. Oh, wow. I didn't see that. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, seriously. And we have the. Bob's we have not the, feeling uh, it. Okay. Bob's not and, feeling and it. Listen to it. Listen to this logic. The logic from Bob Ryan on this. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Bob's the GOAT, but Bob. Okay. He's a scourge. He's a menace. Is, he should be placed sarcasm. under house arrest. Who's saying that? Sarcasm. Who's saying those inflammatory things about the most popular basketball player in the universe? Who would dare bl a blaspheme Steph Curry, the idol of untold millions of basketball enthusiasts? Me, actually, I am, you see, 100% three-point phobic. I truly believe yeah. the three-point shot is the single worst thing to happen in basketball during my lifetime. It has distorted the game in every level. See, I think that logic is so twisted. All right. And you know, Bob Ryan. Yeah, those I'm not even know, sure Bob why you're entertaining it. Why well, are you I, I'm going to tell you why. It? I'm going to tell you why, because for, for, for a couple of reasons. For a couple of reasons. One, we've talked about this before, Mike, just two of us. Steph Curry makes it all look easy, and it's and, and because he makes it look yes. easy, some yes. other parts of his game don't get the attention that his shooting does. Uh, Steve Kerr talked about his stamina and his strength. 
excuse Correct. me, a couple of weeks ago. He's got great stamina, a guy's great strength. Go back uh, he's and look got at his body handles. a decade ago. Right. Great handles. He's an excellent passer. Uh, he rebounds well. He can drive to the basket. He's a good finisher. He's a great free throw shooter. Plays in the, within the team concept. The team wants him. Nobody is saying, like, you don't see this and, and like you do on some basketball teams. Steph takes a three, and somebody else is going up down the court like, yo, man, I was open. I was open. Oh, dog, you going to take another three for real? No, no. His team understands what he does, and they work hard to get him a shot. So I, I think I want to point out the work ethic, but also and Bob Ryan and, and those who think like him, is somehow Steph Curry is is ruining basketball or distorting basketball because everybody's yeah, taking just... these, these these outrageous shots. He can make them. And if people take shots, if people take shots that they're not capable of making, that they haven't worked at, that there's no craft involved. They just want to go out there and say, hey, Steph, Steph makes threes. So let me go out and take another 27 footer. I'll take one from the logo and see how it works out for me. Let's go with this Steph Curry thing and see where it takes me. Uh, can I say uh, something? Can crazy. I say something and you take it the right way? Can I say something? And you take, take this the right way. All I right. ain't write it. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, but no, but it's not that you wrote it and that's on brand for Bob. I respect Bob. I'm disappointed that you wasted our time talking about that. Like that's I'm actually disappointed about that. I'm actually disappointed because there's Why? so much more that you could have said than to counter that tired ass take about Steph Curry and a three point shot ruining the game. That's all. I'm just I, I'm all like, I, no, no, I disagree with that because I, I like to bring it all. I like to I like to just you. Just you had better the, you. You Michael Holly had better things to say and you touch and you touched on a few of them. So if I may, well, of course. I'd love to I'd love to piggyback on it. I mean, number me, one. Me, me, Bob Ryan. I like my chances. Okay, okay. All we right, have like, to. Okay. We need yeah, to I recognize a few things. We need to recognize a few things. That I don't care what his last name is. I don't care who his daddy is. This is a Davidson guy. This guy went to Davidson. And what cannot be overstated or underappreciated is the evolution that we have seen from Steph Curry over the years, physically but also the way he has adapted his game, the way he's added to his game, um, the player that he's become, he's very much self-made. This is, a, this is a success story about a self-made man. As gifted as he is, and you said it a second ago, as easy as he makes it look. For all the kids that's going to be watching tonight, I know I'm watching it with my kids tonight, this was not something that he just was blessed to be. Yeah, does he have gifts? Yeah, he's got gifts. But this is somebody who worked in ways that we don't see on his body, on his game, not only to become a great shooter, but to remain a great shooter and to get to be an even better shooter as the years have gone on, crazy as it is. He said this to Sean Powell. He said, I can tell you it's way harder to stay at this level than to get here. I can tell you that it's harder to stay at this level than to get here. Michael, he's about to do this in his 789th game tonight. You know, Ray Allen played 1300 games. Yeah, this dude, he may put this forget 4000 is 5000 threes too much. Put it out of reach. I mean, he may put who it out knows where he puts this record. Especially, who knows where he puts this record? Especially because you know but, what he's not at? He's not at the 
Ray Allen portion of his career. Like the last yes. two years of Ray Allen's career exactly. was just like he's in his go prime. to the corner. You don't twenty minutes. You don't you don't see records being broken by threes. somebody all time records being broken by somebody that's still in their prime. And I know the three point shot is relatively speaking new in NBA history, but nonetheless, you know, somebody breaking it a, a, a record this with this kind of longevity and just his 789th game is just insane. But I do want to go back to my point about him being the greatest showman. And for those that have heard me say this before, I think he's the greatest showman, not just because of the joy that he brings to the game, not just because of the enthusiasm, the panache, the panache, panache, however you pronounce it, um, the bravado both, that, he, both, that he brings to the game. Thank you very much. I, pre- I needed that. Um, <laughs> but, but also his specific skill. We've seen plenty of high flyers before. We've seen plenty of great scores before. We've seen plenty of great ball handlers, but there's something about long distance shooting and the degree of difficulty with which he approaches long distance shooting, whether that's pull ups, off the dribbles, you know, whatever, half court, you know, logo. He has taken it to such a different level that even if he were to go, this is what I disagree with. You said this earlier that if he's the greatest showman, that he will seize his spotlight tonight and put on a show in the world's greatest arena. He don't have to do that. Steph Curry only has to do what Steph Curry always does because the beauty of Steph Curry's shots is that you always think they're going in no matter where he takes it from, no matter who's in front of him. So every time he releases that thing, you think it's going in. You hold your breath as you expect another bomb to drop from the sky. And so if Steph Curry tonight goes two for 14 from three, nonetheless, it will have been worth the price of admission because as you know, Michael, from going to as many concerts as you had, have, those great performers, all their shows aren't always the same, but they're always great in their own way. Some may even be better than others, but they're always great in their own way. Steph Curry is worth the price of admission because you do not know if you're going to get a 50 piece, if you're going to get 10 threes, five threes, 15 threes one of these days. You never know what you're going to get with the guy because that's the brilliance with which he approaches the game that every play every shot is filled with lim- with infinite possibilities. So yeah, I'm expect I, I, don't, I don't know what he's going to do tonight, but I know it's going to be fun. And that's that's why I think he's the greatest showman because of how much fun it is to watch this dude do his thing. I have more fun watching Steph Curry fun. And is much the right I, I love like, you know, I love Michael Jordan. Fun is the, it's the simplest word, but it's just fun for fun me. I have more word. fun watching Steph Curry in his bag than anybody I can remember watching in team sports in my lifetime. Yeah, and, and, and I'll say about guys, okay, I was alive to see this happen. All right, I, I saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar become the all-time leading scorer. I, I did not have fun doing that. I appreciated it. It wasn't fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, the hook shot was a, I really marveled at it. Like, why can't yeah. anybody block this shot? I think I saw it blocked once, maybe. Uh, really? Why can't anybody block? Why is, why is it? Yeah. And why is this dude doing the hook from like 20 feet? You know what I mean? I saw him one time uh, win it, win a, a game or tie it from the corner. It was like a corner, like 21 foot hook shot to, win, to tie, to set a game in overtime. Carl Malone, number two score. I ain't have fun watching Carl Malone. Is it just me? Did you have fun watching Carl Malone? Nah. Not pick and like roll. This. Stockton to Malone. Not, not, was, not, I mean, not this you, way. I, I mean, mean, appreciate it. Appreciate the hard work. He's ripped. He's jacked. 
But Steph Curry, he's, he's, yes. Even, even Curry Ray has, Allen, when Ray Allen broke the record, Ray Allen right. was a, a, you know, a great shooter. I wouldn't say, oh, I'm just going to have some fun watching Ray do his thing tonight. Once again, it was more of like, it was more scholarly. And so Ray, uh, and that's why I like that uh, headline. I know uh, Marcus Thompson, I don't think you write the headline for Marcus. He had the art and the science. It is a combination. It's not just science. It's the art and the joy. Right. You bring that all together. And right. so it, it, it is, it's an experience. It's a full experience, interactive. Yes. That we've never yes. really experienced before. Yeah. No, I, he's brought the home run to basketball. And, and you know how we feel about the long ball. And um, tonight he just gets his flowers. He gets more of his flowers. Gives this man all his flowers for the way he's revolutionized the game. But this this record is just further recognition, like I said, of what we've known for a long time. I, I mean, I feel like That's I right. remember where he was at this point, but I feel like I said a decade ago. Feels like a decade ago. Like he never has to shoot again to be the greatest shooter ever. Now we just it's a crowning achievement for somebody who's already the king uh, when it comes to three point shooting. Um, coming up. We got us some, a special guest, somebody I've been looking forward to talking to. Good. Uh, Akeem Tlaib is going to fall through uh, and regale us with uh, stories about his NFL days. And the, the dude is everywhere, including the Catch and Phase podcast. Stafford, he, he definitely got a swag about him. He got yeah. like a little, a little low key swag about him, like a little in control of like, yo, this my, yeah. this me. Like, yeah. I got this, like. You know what I mean? He feel confident that he, he rocking with a better uh, overall team. Right. He going to be able to put it together. And he got that chip on his shoulder, to be honest with you. He got that chip on his shoulder to show people that what he man he's... Exactly. Same with, same with Sean, too, though. Because now it feel like, hey, y'all say now he couldn't what you gonna do say, this. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Now, now, watch, now watch us work. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. All right, so the Rams last night inserted themselves at the expense of the Arizona Cardinals. The Rams inserted themselves back into the conversation uh, when it comes to the NFC's elite right there with the Bucks uh, and the Cowboys and the Packers and the Cardinals. Thanks to Matthew Stafford. I blew Michael Holly's mind earlier with this. Matthew Stafford winning for the first time in his career against an opponent. That was at least five games over 500. He had been 0-17. Stafford threw three touchdowns. And let's, uh, let's chop it up about the Rams and all things NFL uh, with a guy who you know made five Pro Bowls, won a Super Bowl, been an All-Pro, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. You know him from, from Fox, from the Catch and Phase podcast, from Call to the Booth podcast. Aqib Tlaib is in here with us now. Uh, and you finished up with the Rams, so you know this organization well. You know that culture well, Aqib. We played a clip a little while ago of you and Jalen Ramsey chopping it up about the Rams. What did they show you last night with the way they performed on the road, shorthanded no less, against Arizona? Uh, well, they're definitely getting back to that, that brand of Ram 
football that that we came to know. You know what I'm saying? They running the ball good, and that's kind of the, that's kind of where that offense started, at, man. You run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and then you had guys running free off all those crossing routes and stuff, right? So I feel like they really got back to that. The last two games, not just last night, the past two games, they're cranking up that run game, and uh, that's 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 why they're winning games. That's why they're getting back in the conversation. Yeah, and, and we were just talking about that in the beginning. Just exactly what you said, Akeem. But the question about the Rams, and I've asked Mike, Mike Smith this question all season long, do they have what it takes? Do they have the toughness it takes to compete with the top teams? Last night they did, but if you compare them to Tampa, if you compare them to Green Bay, uh, the Cardinals, do you think they are uh, – um, do you think they are – of that caliber where you can say, oh, yeah, they absolutely have what it takes to win the conference. Definitely, definitely. I mean, out of the teams you just named, they already beat two of them, right? So, that tell you, the proof is in the pudding right there. They already handled the Bucks. They already handled the, the Cardinals. Uh, so, that that tell you right there, it can be done. It's just, they just got to, it's a vibe, man. That, that December, January football, you got to be healthy, and everybody got to be on the same accord, believing in what we're doing and everything like that. So as long as they run the ball and, and play action start to look like this when you run the ball, they got red, new red zone weapon, man. Odell is a real weapon in the red zone. He, he, he created a bunch of problems for you in the red zone. So he bring that dimension, man. Vaughn, he going to bring a, a, a whole new element of the defense to beat guys like Kyler Murray. You see, Vaughn, we don't even need you to rush right now. You the secondary. You like the counter puncher. AD, you go punch. Let Kyler move. Then Vaughn, Vaughn and Leonard, y'all running down. So he going he gonna come to life in the playoffs, man. Went went against speedy speedy uh, quarterbacks like that. So I definitely think they got a chance. They got to make up the, to win a chip for real. I gotta talk to you about AD. We had Michael and I went back and forth on this earlier. Oh, here um, we go. Oh, here, I we go. Think, here we go. I, I, I no, I mean, this man knows from the perspective of somebody who played not only who played with him. I said earlier, and I didn't think it was a hot take. The argument. I, it, it wasn't a hot take. Right here. I said Aaron Donald's the best player in the league, regardless of position. Michael thought that was outrageous. Is that crazy? Oh, why? What's no? It's it's who else? Who else can line up and and dominate for four quarters like that? Nobody else in our league do that. Like nobody else had no position. Is it? Is it? Derrick Henry. You know what I'm saying he was lining up, dominating. You know what I'm saying, but I don't see nobody else just dominate like AD do. It's, if you put one guy on AD, he do everybody. Like you can take the best guard in the league, he gonna do him somewhat like that. So yeah, I agree with you. So, I agree with you. My it's 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 a great argument, man. I I don't, I don't know nobody who who hey, dominate man. as much as he do. Now, I, now, Keith, I just want to point out, I, I don't know. I'm just going to throw this out here. I'm in Boston. I know you used to play in this area. I know you used to play with the guy who wore jersey number 12. You, yeah. you don't think that Brady, we, we can't talk, we can't have a conversation about Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or now, I don't know about Rogers. Mahomes. I don't know about Mahomes, but but if if I'm in the argument, and Tom Brady, if you arguing it's me, it's lead. No, it's Tom. It's lead. One guy saying Tom, one guy saying lead. Hey, come on now. I mean, that's the, that mean all I said was just a great argument. Uh, it's Aaron Donald being the most dominant player in the NFL. That's a great argument. Not an argument. We gonna argue about him versus Tom, 
him versus A-Rod, he don't even – he don't touch the ball every play. So now I'm going to say, well, your guy touched the ball every play, and your guy's almost the general manager of the team. My guy just a D-lineman, baby. <laughs> he just a D-lineman, and he dominate like your guy do. You know what I'm saying? So that's going to make me win. You know what I'm saying? That's going to boost my argument and make me win. See, you taking notes, Mike. He giving you he giving you pointers. He giving you pointers on how to approach. <laughs> that's how the Mike next was supposed guy. to win that. That's how he was supposed to win that argument. You know what I'm saying? That's that would, how he that was supposed to do it. Down. It's all it better is, coming it from is. you, though. It's all better coming it from does, you. It does. It does. It does. It's good. I want to ask you. You mentioned a vibe and and uh, the Rams culture. I just wonder. You know, you played for a lot of coaches. You played for uh, Bill Belichick, and and you played for uh, Sean McVay and others. Well, McVay. What is that? Because I think a lot of people look at him and see a youthful guy when he took over and not really, uh, they're not really sure what he's about. How would you describe McVay and his vibe? Man, he, he, he's so competitive. And, of course, we all know how smart he is. He's going to come up with great ways to attack your defense. All right, that's his skill. That's his best trait. But uh, that's one of his best traits. I say his best trait is he's so competitive you could you could hear how how much he want to win the next game. You could feel that in the team meetings and how competitive he is. It rub off on the rest of the team, man. So so he always gonna have a super competitive team because that's his nature, man. So competition is it, it, that's the NFL, man. The most competitive guy probably gonna win that play, and it's just a matter of time for Sean have his chip after NFC chip after chip where he really started get his rings and you know what I'm saying get his hardware but because he worked too hard and he's too competitive man so once he get a good group of guys who 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 can get him in that tournament like you know kind of like he's been doing get him over that hump really he just got to get over that hump man I I like Sean going down as one of the goats in our league man just because how competitive he is and how smart he is that word competitive man I love to stay with that and talk about you because we were saying you know uh, during the break, you know, love what you're doing, man, and how you transition seamlessly uh, into our world and, and the dark side, as we called it, and, and into the into the media right. game, both with, as a as a color analyst for Fox and not one but two podcasts. Uh, I wonder how being in the media and calling games has kind of like satisfied your competitive desires, because you know, I imagine and I, I've heard we've heard about a lot of players that's tough walking away from the game getting that same rush that you had as a player. How is uh how has your career in media helped to satisfy that? Uh it keep me around the game, man. I, I first and foremost, before I got paid for it, before I was offered a scholarship, before I even knew I wanted to do it for a living, man. I was a fan of football. So just being in the media, I gotta study and and I got to know what's going on with this team, with that team. So it keep me around the game. And I, and I just enjoy it because I, I love football, period, right? So it, it, it just keep me around the game. And as far as, like, my, my competitive edge, it's, I, don't, I don't really say I compete, really, with this media because, you know, I'm, I'm not really competing against nobody. But I do get that, that, that fix, that adrenaline rush when I'm – when I am calling the game and calling the game is like <laughs> it's all it's the, if you're not playing, if you're not coaching, calling the game is the closest you can get to being in the game because no breaks is going fast. It's live TV and you got to be on it. You got to be on the money with it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So 
that gave me my little adrenaline rush that I need. I, you know, my football adrenaline that I need. Calling them games and being on the spot and having to, oh, flip some notes and throw this over there and, and kind of being right. on edge real quick for two, three hours. That gave me my football fix. But being in the media, man, that just keep me around the game and it, it just keep my brain occupied on something that I love. But it, but as chill and as relaxed as you are and as you come off, I know you're also a student of the game and you're a student of your craft. So I wonder, how have you gotten better at being yourself? People, you, don't, you ain't just rolling out of bed doing this. Even right. though you're just being you, you're, I, I imagine behind the scenes, you're figuring out how to get better at being the best version of yourself, whether that's in the booth or behind the mic. So what kind of work have you put in Definitely. to improving at this? Uh, I just watch, really. I just watch, and uh, and I don't. I, I take everything into consideration. All the advice I get from guys, I don't never like, bro. You, you was trashing football, bro. Why would I accept some advice? Because this ain't football. This, this ain't football. This media. So he might can give me. He might can't tell me shit about football, but he might can tell me something right. about media. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. So I just take all advice, and I go back and watch myself, and. Just to correct, like, you know, saying man 35 times in one game. You know what I'm saying? I just go back and I watch it, and then I just try to improve on it. So all the, all the feedback I get, I get the feedback. I try to improve on it. And, and first and foremost, I try to just know what I'm talking about. I feel like if I know what I'm talking about, I put the work in, I'll be comfortable enough behind the camera, behind the mic or whatever. So I just go about it like that. I love that answer, and I always wonder, just for me as a fan, at one of those guys who was so trash in football didn't play. That's how trash I was <laughs> in football, but I've always been amazed by the analysts, Akib, who in, in real time say, okay, this is why this play happened. Uh, the corner, it was, it, was, it was a pick play. The officials missed it, and then that freed him, op- freed him up, and then they go back and watch the tape. I'm like, oh, that's exactly what happened. That impresses right. me. How about you? When you look at it, either for yourself or others in the business, what stands out to you as, hey, I'm there or I want to get there, that guy's ability to call a game in this particular way? I say, I say the guys who just who just make it so simple, man, where they like, they don't come and say, well, they came out in 12 personnel, then they had a wing back on this side. He had most like the guys who just make it like Tony, he make it so simple, man. Like, all right, this receiver is going to motion right over here and he's going to block this guy right here. And you're going to run right up in be like, like when you can make it super simple like that, like where my mom can understand what you're saying. That's what impressed me. Like you, I know all football and you told me exactly what's going on. My mom don't know nothing about football and you told her exactly <laughs> what's going on. So the guys who can do that, I find that super impressive. And that's, that's what I try to do. I try to not make it too complicated, but tell you what's going on in an entertaining fashion. You know what I'm saying? So when guys could do that, that's really what, what impressed me. Uh, speaking of impressive, uh, I, I mentioned a guy you used to play with. I'm going to bring him up again just because he's been in the league for 22 years. Hey, <laughs> what's going on with Tom Brady? Like, can you even just put that in a sentence or two, how Tom Brady in his 40s, well into his 40s, is still able uh, to play at this level. How does he do it? Well, well, first, the amount of time he put into his body uh, with Alex, man, you see Alex. Anytime you see Tom, excuse me, you're going to see Alex. Alex is, uh, you know what I'm saying, the Asian guy. You'll see him. Yeah, Yeah, you'll always see him with Tom, man. They 
they do numbers. I remember one time I heard my quad. Tom was like, hey, go see Alex. <laughs> go see Alex, and he, you will be back on the field quicker than the doctor's telling you to get back on the field. So uh, the amount of time he put on his body, if you're a 40-year-old guy out here still running the ball and sliding, still getting sacked and stuff like that, you got to be in, in, in condition to do it. So he put a lot of time in on his own body, and then he just understand the game better than anybody right now, man. Just as far as where he going to go with the football, as far as how you trying to attack him, blitzes. He just understand the game so much where he make his, he keep his hits down to a minimum. So he don't take super big hits. Uh, and, and that's how he stay in the league. That's how you play so long, man. He, he take care of his body in the offseason and he's so smart, you're not going to get a huge shot on him. On the flip side, man, uh, unfortunately, the uh, the NFL lost um, a, a member of its family, and the Broncos in particular lost a member of his family at, at 33 years old, Demarius Thomas. Wonder if you, if there's any memories that you could share, or any stories you could share about your time uh, in Denver when you guys crossed paths, him as a teammate, but him as a man, because right. the, 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 most of the recollections have been what a great person he was. We saw him yeah. as a great receiver, but he's a really good yeah. dude. Yeah. I don't know if I got just like – one story, man, but like Vine House, that was like our hangout, man. That's where that's where if you want to know where we was, you know what I'm saying? If you wanted to catch a bunch of Broncos, high caliber Broncos in the same spot, go to Vine House. You'll probably see like seven or eight of them gonna be over there. You know what I'm saying? And it was a lot of defensive guys, as you would know, it's you know how defensive guys kinda hang and offensive guys kinda hang. It's a bunch of defensive guys over there. I mean, TJ, Chris, Vaughn, myself, a uh, bunch of defensive guys over there. Phil, I mean, uh, Will, uh, Darian Stewart. It's a bunch of defensive guys over there. But you always had, like, them eyeballs, like, what he, who is? And that was always DT, man. He he hung with us. He was, like, an honorary member of No Fly Zone. He was with us so much, man. And just those those – we ain't football players. We just all a bunch of minority guys who came from nothing, and now we rich. And we sit in Vine basement and just chill. We had drinks. We just vibe in that basement, man. Those memories are second to none for me, man. That's when you really got to see the comfortable. The, the DT that, that nobody see in front of the cameras and stuff, we got to see him, the super silly DT, you know what I'm saying, who take care of everybody in his family, we got to see that side of him and and, and venting with him. Yeah, you know I'm saying my uncle called me and asked me for this and then we got we got to do that with him, man. So just mm-hmm. all those conversations and, and all those laughs at Von Crib is 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 only that's all, that's all I could think of when I every time DT name come up, I just immediately get to that basement. I'm immediately in that basement in, in that mind frame, man. So those memories, man. That's that's. A real movie, man. I wish, I wish, Vine could like take his little cameras and like really make a movie from that, man. And, and, and DT would be one of the main characters in those movies for real. Oh, you think that's up. what it was that that really that really stood out to him away from football, just his ability to relate to a lot of people. I mean, you know, he had a yeah. He, he came. He, and nothing was handed to him. He came up the hard way. You think that's yeah. what really stood out to you? Yeah, I think I think just how grateful he was, man. He know he know how he came up, man. 
his parents involved with, what they was involved with, is your life could go left or, or your life could go right, right? You know what I'm saying? Your life could go left, your life could go right. And his life went right. He ended up going to college and going to the NFL and being able to take care of his his dad and take care of his, the people who took care of him growing up. And he was just so grateful, man. You could you could just feel that that gratefulness with DT, whether it was whether it was doing an event for Boys and Girls Club or if it was doing an event for Vaughn or doing an event for myself or or if it was just us hanging and us us, you know, complaining about people calling us for money and uh, DT at the end of the day, he always gonna have a funny story. And man, I just give it to him because I'm he always like made it positive, you know what I'm saying? So that's the word I will use, man. He was just so grateful that how his life turned out, man. It could have it could have turned out a bunch of different ways, and you could just feel that gratefulness when you when you around DT. That's what's up, man. Uh, rest in peace. And listen, we are uh, we're grateful for you spending some time with us, man. Uh, what you got your Fox schedule um, for the rest of the season? Where could we where, where are we gonna be able uh, to hear you next? I'm uh, I'm in Detroit. I think they got the Cardinals coming to town this this week, week fifteen, week sixteen. Uh, I'm in Seattle with uh, Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson Jr. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know who Russell Wilson Jr. is, right? Little Justin Fields. He gonna have that oh, Russell okay. Wilson tag soon. <laughs> no. yeah, he, he Russell Wilson Jr. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, that's little. That's little Russell right there. That's little Russell. So All right. I get it. I get, I'm gonna love that game. That's gonna be a dope game. That's gonna be a dope game. I get to see them boys go head to head. So two good weeks. I, I don't know what I got after that, but those two weeks, man, I'm gonna enjoy both of those games. Well, we're gonna enjoy listening to you, man. It's that it's that kind of enthusiasm that uh, that makes you a natural at this. Definitely. Bro. Uh, welcome to our team, so to speak. Glad to be able to call you a colleague in the media. Keep crushing it with yes, the Catching Phase podcast, Call to the Booth podcast, and of course, uh, calling games for Fox, man. We appreciate you. Thanks for coming through. Let's do it again sometime. For sure. Appreciate it, guys. Talk soon. All right, man. All be right. good. Appreciate you. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hey, man, it's real in the field when it comes to uh, COVID and the Omicron variant. Um, yesterday was wild, man. Like, if you, any sports app you were looking on, every story was such and such placed on the COVID-19 list. And it's just the NFL. Such and such placed on COVID-19 list. COVID-19 list. COVID-19 COVID-19 list. We already talked earlier in the show about the Rams beating the Cardinals despite putting players on the COVID-19 list, key players, Jalen Ramsey, Tyler Hibby, day of game. So, like, and it's just not just the NFL, it's across sports. So, a record 37 players tested positive on Monday. And that's after a weekend that saw at least a dozen other players miss games due to COVID protocols. So, that, keep in mind, that 37 players is a record. That's the most since the pandemic started. Okay? This is year two of the, of the NFL in the pandemic. But most players in a single day ever tested positive on Monday, 37. Meanwhile, in the NBA, the Bulls became the first team to have games postponed this season. 
Uh, they postponed uh, today's game against the Pistons, Thursday's game against the Raptors. Ten of their players are in COVID protocols. Oh, by the way, uh, in the NHL, Calgary's next three games uh, has been postponed after six players in the Stafford landed in protocols. Flame Centers and Islanders uh, have had postponements this year in the NHL. It's hit European soccer uh, in the Premier League. It's hit college sports. I mean, yep. it, obviously, it's our reality uh, as we get into yet another wave as, you know, winter months, people gathering indoors, you know, variants, which even though the Omicron variant, not as deadly or severe, but more transmissible, according to studies. Um, but just honing in on the NFL for now, just to kind of like narrow this conversation, Michael. And then today it got even crazier just since we've been on the show. So we talked about the Rams yeah. and their and, and their shortages yesterday. Um, the Rams placed six players on the reserve COVID-19 list today. Odell Beckham, Sebastian Joseph Day, Terrell Burgess, Bryson Hopkins, Juju Hughes, Alaric Jackson. Um, now, Tyler Higby, it turns out, had a false positive and was removed from that list uh, and is now eligible to play on Sunday. So that's just the Rams. But overall, apparently, there are now 25 expected positive tests today. So the day after 37, 25. So that brings in the last two days, 62 player positives in the yeah. last two days yeah. in the NFL. Mind you, from September 5th through November 27th, per NFL data, 110 player positive tests occurred. All I know is we could we could talk about what we think and who we think and contenders and power rankings. The NFL has long since Bingo. been a, a, a battle of attrition. Long since yes. been a, a battle of attrition. That's the but point. once upon a time, not long ago, all we had to worry about was just good old fashioned injuries. This thing more than more so than last year, this thing is going to decide who wins it all. If, if I could reduce this to a sports conversation, obviously COVID, uh, Omicron variant, much more serious than sports. But we're talking about the outbreak uh, in professional sports leagues, the NFL in particular. This, this, this disease, this, this, this virus, yeah. this variant is going to determine the outcome of this season more than any player, more than any team, more than any injury. It's, this is crazy, and and they got they wrapping up the protocols accordingly. But we 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 can guess, but we can talk about what we think is going to happen come playoff time. What we think is going to happen next week? Hell, we think is going to happen tomorrow. We don't know because we don't know who's going to be available. Yeah, I wouldn't say the only only thing I, I'd say is I I wouldn't go more than any player, but I I think it's going to be a major factor in the postseason. They're going to take out some key at, players. They're going to take that's what I'm saying more than any player. So we could say I could say I trust Tom Brady look, in the playoffs. Who are Tom Brady's teammates going to if, be? Who's to say Tom Brady yeah. doesn't does a test positive? <laughs> you know, well, well, fortunately, fortunately, we haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen, uh, you know, you hate to you hate to look at it this way, but hey, we having a conversation. So we're talking about sports just like we talk about sports injuries. 
Uh, this is an injury to a degree. Who's the best player to get it? The best player to be affected by it so far? Uh, you haven't had a Tom Brady type. Uh, yeah, that, well, Aaron you Rogers. haven't had a uh, Aaron Rodgers. My, uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, Miles Garrett. You haven't had anybody like that. But I, I think it is going to be a factor going forward. And this is just a reminder, not just in the NFL, but overall. One of the things that I'm always curious when people say things like, yeah, I remember during the pandemic. Well, we're still right. In it. Past tense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember that. Yeah. Well, we're still in it. We're still in yeah, it. And, and give us, give us some credit. Uh, uh, and this kind of changes uh, the position. Uh, that I just took you know, Jarvis Landry. Jedrick Will, well, we've seen, you know, good, no, we have seen key players. Yeah. We have seen high yeah. profile key players affected by COVID. I mean, include including Aaron Rodgers. Like it, it, it does not, as you know, it does not discriminate. And so but and I was going to say, give us a game at the give last us credit, minute. though. Give give us credit as a society. A lot of we have for the most part, most people based on the numbers, most people in the US, even if it's a slight majority, the majority mm-hmm. of, of eligible adults or eligible persons now that five through 12s can get it. Eligible persons have taken it seriously and have um, either taken some measures, social distancing, masking, or for the most part, gotten vaccines, gotten vaccinated and right. continued to live life. Uh, and, and so we've, we've gone to a different phase of it. We've gone to a different room of it, but we're not past it. This time last year, we weren't doing much of anything. We weren't moving around. Uh, we were just kind of waiting for a vaccine. Now that the vaccine has come, we're taking our measures, still being distant, still being a little cautious, but moving about with everyday activities. So I think that's why it's kind of lulled some people. I'm not sure if the NFL players fall into this category or if they just happen to get it by doing everything the right way and they just happen to get it because it's in the air. But it has lulled some into thinking that we're back. Hey, I couldn't do that. I couldn't go into a restaurant last year. I can go to a restaurant now. Couldn't go to a sporting event last year at a stadium. My stadium was empty, but now my stadiums are full. My arenas are full. I'm going to restaurants. I'm going to concerts. I'm going to school events. So I'm back. No, you're going to these things, but we're still in the middle of it. And I don't know when we'll be. I I really don't. I have no idea when we'll be past it, but this is a, a different, a different asterisk for playoff competition in the NFL. This entire, not like it doesn't, this entire invalid. No, and and it doesn't invalidate championships, but it's just something it's something. Well, it's one of the reasons why I didn't think think the Rams. I didn't think the Rams would win. Part of it was the Rams play as of late. The Jaguars win notwithstanding, but it was also the people that were missing uh, both prior to yesterday and yesterday uh, due to COVID. Take Thursday night in in Thursday night, Kansas City, Los Angeles. Okay, yes. So Chiefs have won six in a row. Chiefs have won six in a row. Chargers have. You know, <laughs> Akeem Talib earlier called Justin Fields, Russell Wilson Jr. Chargers have Dan Marino Jr. and Justin Herbert. Okay, um, 
Justin Herbert's left tackle. I believe Rashawn Slater's played every snap his rookie season. COVID lists. So just do the math there. Now, and not to say they can't overcome it, but look how well right. the Chiefs defense is playing, particularly that front. Yeah. Chargers are now down their left tackle. That could affect not just that game, that affects playoff seating. Playoff seating affects home field. Home field in the playoffs could affect the outcome of games. The outcome of games affects who wins the championship, who wins the championship, where they finish, affects people's livelihoods, whether they keep their jobs, lose their jobs, get new jobs, get new contracts. Like this this right. domino effect as a as a result of, of these uh, of this outbreak is really something that we gotta get our arms around. Like like what we think we know doesn't matter. Really, we're all the, the whole operation is day to day. In other words, like just we got to wait till we like we could talk about the week 15 right now. Let's get to this weekend and see who, who might be available uh, based on COVID. Let's go ahead and take a break. Um, COVID won't give us a break. And who knows? By the end of the show, we'll probably hear about some more people being placed on the uh, reserve. list. I, it, it's, it's that likely. crazy. It's probably it is that crazy. Yeah. I mean, the numbers. Just that, yeah, it, no, no pun intended, up. right? Look, it, look. It, right. <laughs> Probable. COVID. Probable. (laughs) Probable. Like that's that's for sure. In in this day and age. Crazy times. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Well, I'd like to say I'm surprised, uh, Michael Smith, that there's another John Feinstein book out. Uh, this one, Raise a Fist, Number Take 45. a Knee, Racing. Yeah, Raise a Fist, Take a Knee, Racing the Illusion of Progress. In modern sports, I can, if I can brag a little bit, John, uh, before this book, when this book was in the was in the lab, I remember seeing John speak out at Harvard, and he said he was working on a book, and he explained it, and everybody, our, our test kitchen there at Harvard, we were all riveted about this idea. So I am glad, John, to see that the book has come to life. Michael Smith is here. You know us very well. So you, do your thing, man. Tell us, tell us about uh, what, why you decided to write the book and, and what, um, what some of the revelations were as you researched it and wrote it. Well, I vividly remember talking to you at that Harvard Breakfast Club meeting, Mike, and that the book was, was in its early stages of reporting at the time. And I think what I probably told you was that during the anthem protests of 2017, uh, when I was working on a book on the NFL, I was in an NFL stadium every Sunday, and I, I saw black football players kneeling and white football fans booing. Uh, frequently, the white football fans didn't know why they were booing. Either it was because Trump had ranted that they should boo, or because they thought there was something wrong with the way the players were protesting, even though they didn't delay any games or, or interfere in any way with, the, with, with football. But 
and, and my thought at the time was how incredibly polarized we were racially, that race was still the elephant in the room. Trump, of course, made it worse. Um, and I wanted to, I went to see John Thompson, um, the, the George, great Georgetown coach, who I battled with through the years many times when I was covering his teams, Mike and Mike, because uh, John wanted secrecy and I was a reporter. So I had to be anti-secrecy. But we had come to be close uh, after he retired as often happens. And I went to him and I said, I want to write a book on race and sports. And I don't know where to begin because it's such a massive topic. And he pointed at me and said, you might as well try to explain the Holy Trinity. And then he <laughs> said, which is why you have to do it. So from that point on, I knew I wanted to do it. But when I started doing my reporting, I talked to about 100 people, uh, most of them black, not all of them black, but most of them. Uh, I realized that to say that we're polarized is like saying that today is Tuesday. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's a given. But what I found in talking to all the people I talked to, and you guys know this firsthand, is that it's still harder to be black in this country than it is to be white. With all the progress we've made in sports, in, in, the, in the entire world, we're still so far away from being anywhere close to where we need to be we still have, you know, John Gruden's comment that, quote, there's not a racist bone in my body sums it all up to me. Because, of course, there are racist bones in his body. How could he have said the things that he said over email if there weren't? But there are a lot of white people in this country who think they're not racist and who get offended if you say they are. But they are. And, you know, when, when I first started researching this book, a lot of people said, well, how can you write this book when you're a white guy? Because, of course, I, I can't know what it's like to wake up every morning being black. I've never been pulled over for DWB, driving while black. But I've never been a college basketball coach. And I've written fairly successfully about college basketball coaches. I've never been a PGA Tour golfer. I've written about playing golf on a PGA Tour. I've never been a college or, or professional football player or coach, and I've written about them. It, it, for me, it's always about the reporting. This was not meant to be a treatise on, on race. It was meant to be reporting on race yeah. from people who have experienced it firsthand. I love, uh, I love John Thompson's answer because uh, one of the things I, I've, I've often said in this, uh, this period that we're in, in the aftermath of uh, the summers of 2016 and into 2017 and what have you, is... Um, Police brutality is the extreme manifestation of systemic racism. And the movement for black lives, Black Lives Matter, what often gets lost because it's messier and more nuanced is black livelihoods. For example, this just comes to mind off the top of my head, John and Michael, is a story about a, a black couple having a white friend stage their home and the value of the home increased by half a million dollars. <laughs> um, so I wonder, you know, going back to Coach Thompson's answer, you might as well try to explain the Holy Trinity. Uh, how much of, of, uh, of your book is able to kind of really tackle some of the microaggressions? You know, not just getting pulled over driving while black, not just having your life threatened, not just being called the N-word, so on and so forth. But some of the things that speak to the title, which I love of your book, The Illusion of Progress. You know, right. some of the double standards that are still at play that are blo blocking black progress 
uh, in professional sports in particular? Well, I think I was really lucky, Mike, in that so many of the people I talked to uh, were willing to be open and honest with me. Now, I started reporting the book before the George Floyd murder, but I, I think the George Floyd murder uh, opened things up in a tragic way in that um, people were more willing or able to talk honestly about the kinds of things that you're talking about. A good example is Ozzie Newsom, and I'm sure you've both both dealt with him. And Ozzie is not oh, yeah. a jump-on-a-table guy and, you know, scream and yell about race or anything else. But he told me a story about, at the age of 14 in 1970, going to a Pop Warner football tryout. And the coaches said, okay, you go here, quarterbacks here, running backs here, linebackers there, whatever. Ozzie started walking towards the quarterbacks because in the schoolyard he always played quarterback because he was the best player. And as he walked over, he saw that every other kid there was white. And it occurred to him, they're not going to let me play quarterback. The only guy who had played professional football at the quarterback position at that point, who was black, was Marlon Briscoe, who had played 11 games for the Denver Broncos in 1968 and finished second in the rookie of the year voting in the AFL that year and was never allowed to play quarterback again. So, So that's the time he was living in in 1970. And he went with, walked over instead to the receivers and, of course, ended up being a Hall of Fame receiver. But what Ozzy said now, he's the first NFL, black NFL general manager, although he didn't get the title till after he'd won a Super Bowl running the team. But what he said was, it's 50 years later. And obviously, we've made great progress. Just look at who the best quarterbacks in the NFL are right now. But this is Ozzy talking. I still feel like you have to be twice as good if you're black to be a quarterback, certainly to be a coach, three out of 32 right now in the NFL, which is 75% African-American among players, or to be a general manager or to be a CEO or to be an owner. And and that's sort of the yeah. point of the subtitle you mentioned, Michael, that that we've certainly made progress. We've, you know, Jim Crow doesn't exist anymore. A lot of the coaches I interviewed, Leonard Hamilton, John Thompson, Nolan Richardson, grew up with Jim Crow. So have we made progress? Sure. But – we're still a long, long way from where we need to be, both in terms of attitude and and absolutely in terms of numbers. Like I said, three out of 32 NFL coaches, five out of 32 general managers, 10% of the Division One college football players, FBS college football coaches are, are black. And how can it be, guys, that the Pac-12 – where George Raveling was hired in 1971 as the first black coach in a Power Five Congress conference, excuse me, I get wound up. Um, <laughs> right now, for the last three seasons, has had zero black coaches. How is that possible in 2021, except that it wow. is? And then once you get the opportunity, the struggle certainly doesn't Short stop leash. there, as we know. Short leash. You, you still, yeah, and two times might be uh, generous. We all, we all raised to know that we got to be twice as good. Might have to amend that because that, that might be uh, a little conservative. Uh, but do want to go right. back to, though, man, fascinating the, the response you got. Like, how can you write a book about race? It's probably more important for you to write the book about race, for you to be having these conversations than it is for me and Michael to be having these conversations. So I was fascinated in reading how much resistance you got from publishers. You've written 44 books, and this is your 45th, if I'm not mistaken, best-selling right. author, and how many publishers were like, now nah, we're not trying to hear this, uh, right. or, or nobody wants to read this, or we're not trying to put it out. Can you speak a little bit more to the process of actually getting this book published? 
Yeah, I think it's very symptomatic of what we're talking about here, that many publishers were afraid of the book um, because they thought it would raise issues that a lot of people, particularly on the right, as we know, uh, don't don't want to hear. One publisher said to me, how can you write a book about race when you're white? And I said, well, first of all, white's a race. And second of all, like you said, because I'm white, even though, again, I can't understand what it's like to be black. I, I, I've never been black a day in my life. And, and George Raveling, who has always been one of my sort of guiding lights um, in all the years I've been a reporter, said that to me right off the bat. George was born in a segregated hospital in Washington, D.C. in 1937. And he said, John... I, I, I know who you are, I know how you think, but you can never understand what it's like to be black. And, 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 and Doug Williams, who wrote the foreword for the book, said that. He and I talked about it the first time I spoke to him. And, but, but because I'm white, may, there are people out there who will see, me, see the book in a different light than if one of you two guys had written it. Or if, if both Kevin Blackstone and Mike Wilbon made that point to me. Uh, when because they were both helpful to me in in putting this together, they both said it's good that you're the one writing it. And I think John Thompson felt that way too. I I, I can't know what it's like to wake up in the morning as Ed Tapscott, who was the first CEO uh, of, of a black CEO of an NBA team, said to me, "When you're black, you wake up in the morning, you have two jobs. One is your job, the other is being black, because there are going to be people who will look at you differently." because of that fact. And unfortunately, in 2021, that's still a fact of life. You know, uh, ba- based on the shirt that you have on or the uh, the pullover you have on uh, Maryland, Baltimore County, we know uh, you got an area of expertise in that area. Uh, you're a Washington Post contributor. So I got to get your take on this exclusive that the Post put out today. Uh, I think it was uh, Will Hobson and Liz Clark, a piece on Daniel Snyder and how he says all the right things and hey same story over and over year after year right he says all the right things but doesn't necessarily follow what he says he's going to do is this a case of a, a white privileged owner being able to game the system and avoid trouble even when it's clear as day and the washington post reporting on this has been phenomenal it's clear as day that he's the problem with the uh, with the organization, is Mike, it, I've is had it, the misfortune. Is the he's able to take advantage of that. I've had the misfortune of dealing with Dan Snyder for 22 years, um, including one time when he tried to pick a fight with me—not a physical fight, but a fight with me in a restaurant when he was with his wife and I was with my wife. Um, so we go way back, and uh, it, this is a this is a very broad statement to make. He's the worst owner in the history of sports. And I don't mean in terms of wins and losses. I don't get, care about that very much. I mean, I know a lot of people here in Washington do, but he's a liar, he's a phony, he's a snob. He thinks being rich makes him better than other people and allows him to mm. behave in ways that other people, that most of us would never think to behave. Uh, and you're right, the Post has been all over this story for a year and a half now, really. And the sad thing is, again, and this gets back to something I get into in the book, you know, uh, Mike Tomlin and Tony Dungy, who are two people I respect greatly, both said to me, 
that they believed the reason Roger Goodell was the one commissioner who wouldn't speak to me for the book was because he's embarrassed. He's embarrassed by the numbers. He's embarrassed by the way legal, leagues, league owners have behaved, in, in the, especially in the area of race. And he didn't want to be put in a position to either lie about how he felt or tell the truth and get fired and lose a $44 million a year job. And the point is, the NFL owners are an old white man's group. There are a couple of, of female owners, and, 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 and there's, there's one owner who grew, grew up in Pakistan and came here when he was 14 and gave money to Donald Trump, just by the way. Um, and how they can allow Dan Snyder to continue to own a team is absolutely beyond me. They could vote him out in a minute, 24 votes. That's all it takes. You got to sell the team. That's what they did to Jerry Richardson. And, but, and, 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 and Snyder has also been accused uh, of, of running a misogynist organization the way Jerry Richardson was accused of, of making sexual advances to people on his staff. So it's just, to me, it's symptomatic. Snyder is symptomatic of a larger issue in the NFL and in, in sports in general, which is if you've got a billion dollars, you basically can get away with anything. Yeah. John Feinstein, the latest book, book number 45. I imagine one of your most important, and that's saying a lot. Raise a fist to the race and the illusion of progress. We look forward to reading that. We appreciate you coming through, man. Thank you so much for uh, the conversation. Thank you so much for your work. What's up, John? Uh, we'll talk to you again soon, man. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Well Anytime. Done. Know that. Cheers. All right. We appreciate you. Thank you. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Man, bro, it's too early for this, bro. I'm not even trying to do nothing coach, right now. Coach said this had to get you right here. Bro. You making too many threes, no? Bro, bro man, I'm, you act like I'm going to shoot right now, bro. Like, chill. You right, you right. Bro, got your ass. Oh, oh no, no, no. I'm, I'm never going to do that again, bro. bro. come on, bro. Uh, no, no, you locked down now. It's too late. You already, you already got shot on, bro. On. It's, it's that quick, come on, bro. Come on, come on. man. Bro, let me get to the bathroom. No, let's go. Let's get to the bathroom. Come on. No. I, I got to brush my teeth, bro. I just got to brush my teeth. That's cool. Man, not today, man. Please, bro. Yeah, I bet you want that, huh? Man, ooh, man. Bro, I'm just trying to get to the court. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it, coach. There ain't nothing you can do. I've been guarding him since he woke up. Yeah, put me on the bench. And then I can do. No, 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 you guard him then. And then I can do. The homie Mark Phillips uh, never misses, man. That, that's that's lifeguarding Steph Curry right there. Um, you better guard him getting out of bed, and even that ain't good enough half the time. Vinny Goodwill uh, always in his bag. Um, two threes away from Steph Curry um, breaking the regular season three-point record held by Ray Allen, who's already um, excited to see his record fall. He posted, uh, posted a nice tribute uh, on IG earlier today. Um, 
I was saying this earlier, Vinny. It feels like the, the conversation's been over for a decade and, and 2003s that Steph, is, even without the records, was always, the, for a long time, has been the greatest shooter we've ever seen for all the reasons which you all, you know all very well. What does tonight mean, though? I think tonight's just a culmination. I think tonight, honestly, maybe it's time to start a different conversation about Stephen Curry. Because like you said, the conversation about him being the greatest shooter has been over for a long time, and now you will have the numbers that will go along with the excellence and the longevity. And if the first thing that we say about Stephen Curry is, oh, man, he's the greatest shooter of all time, I almost feel like we're shortchanging him a little bit. I wonder if it's yeah. time to elevate the conversation. And not just him you know, as a basketball player, as a system or whatever, but is it time to start putting him in conversations with, you know, guys right below the goats here? Like to me, the yes. goats here is basic. It's, it's like, it's magic. It's Michael, you know, it's LeBron to some degree. It, it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Will Chamberlain, it's those guys. And then there's a tier under that, right? It's the Vinny, Kobe we, tier. Vinny, we had this conversation. We, we, we had this very conversation. Michael, you remember this? We had this very conversation of course. a few weeks right. back about the fact that, like, right. before it's all said, no, no, maybe even now, like, where, where is he right now? Let's have it, Vinny. Like, the answer is yes. Where, where is he right now? Is he, is he top 10 all time? You know, it, it, t- 12, 15 to be safe? He's definitely there's no there's no need to qualify it anymore. I think or, or or put limitations on one particular skill. Given that he's got the accolades, given that he's got more of a complete game than we give him credit for, he's absolutely yeah. right there. And if he wins another MVP or another championship, even, I mean, shoot, it, Michael already it, got him second to... greatest point guard ever for you, right, Michael? I was gonna say yeah, definitely. Because because Vinny didn't mention in that tier. He didn't <laughs> I don't mean to bring up IT. old stuff. He didn't mention Isaiah <laughs> Thomas. I just know I was waiting for him to mention you mentioned Kareem and Wilt and Michael and LeBron. Where's Isaiah Thomas? Why don't you mention him among the goats? Huh? Why are you you're not trying to have this conversation on a Tuesday no. afternoon, Michael Holly. We're not going to. But what no. I will say is this. Play the defense. There's you a, you trying to do this right there, now? Play defense. <laughs> Play defense. <laughs> see, see, see. See, whenever I come in, want to talk about some nuance, we got babyface over there talking about as soon as I get home from work with these simple ass lyrics. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. What I will say about Steph Curry is this, is that from a, it's time to talk about him at maybe top 15, top 20. Like, like it's an interesting conversation when we say who's the better player, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, you know, Giannis, where will they wind up being historically when it's all said and done? Like, I have a hard time looking at a guy like KD and saying, yeah, somebody's better than him playing right now. But when you look at Steph Curry's accolades and when you say maybe who's had the better career and you say who's got the most trophies, who's accomplished the most, who's got some of the most, you know, tangible things as opposed to what you just see, that's where a guy like Steph sort of comes up where maybe this is a third championship, a fourth championship, mind you, for him. And if he wins a fourth championship and a third most valuable player, Man, the conversation gets better. It's not even about Steph or Isaiah. The question would be, has Steph Curry passed the likes of Kobe Bryant? Is Steph Curry in the category of a Larry Bird, who had three straight MVPs and won three championships, although he never went back to back? Like, to me, those are the interesting conversations, although we don't think about Steph Curry as being something greater than 
you know, his, his shooting or his shooting being the first, second, and third thing that we bring up because of some of the other things, because he can have the 10 turnover games because of the game seven against Cleveland. But every player has slip-ups. I just think it's time to start elevating the conversation. And a third MVP and a fourth title, when there's no favorite to claim otherwise, I can say that those two things are really attainable for him this year. That's that's top 15. Not, that not to mention... He may, he may, he may end up with 4,000, 4,500 to have 5,000. I was not going to put 5,000 for his pass to do it at this rate. But having said all of that, I think part of the reason why he has been omitted from goat conversations beyond goat shooter. I wonder if it just has to do with the NBA finals for one, never hasn't been finals MVP Two, um, the acquisition of Kevin Durant. Now some would say, well, Steph was the system and Kevin Durant thrived in that system. Others would say, Durant's the best player on any team he's on. Save that conversation for another day. And three is just in the era of LeBron. You know, like at what point was Steph ever really considered? He was unanimous MVP, but has he ever been regularly or consistently considered the best player in the, the game right now? You mentioned it with Kevin Durant. You said it about Kevin Durant a minute ago, Vinny. Like you have a hard time saying somebody's better than Kevin Durant right now. So all those things I think have worked against Steph Curry being put. In, a, in an all-time GOAT conversation that he does belong in? I'll, I'll say this, because I got something juicy for y'all. I'll say this. I think it's the fact that he's six foot three, and he's not this extraordinary athlete. Like, you don't think of Magic Johnson as an extraordinary athlete, but he's a giant of a man. He's six foot nine, and he's physically imposing. Everybody in the GOAT conversation has at least that sort of element to them where I think we think of shooting as not being as masculine as being, you know, as dominant as you need to be physically. You know, you can take physicality into it and put your will on the game. Even Michael Jordan at six foot six was able to do that. Magic Johnson was able to do that. Kareem Wilt, LeBron is able to do that. So I think there's an element of physicality that Steph doesn't hold that maybe people use to hold him back. But I'll say this. I think LeBron James owned the league from the moment that he took over that game five in Auburn Hills against the Pistons in 2007. But after holding that crown for maybe a good seven, eight years where he owned the league, can we say that he's owned the league for the past five or six? Because you can say that Giannis has won two MVPs and Steph has won more rings and KD has had more moments. consistently. Not consistently, but I, Vinny, I would say it's relatively recent where people just generally have, co- just, have just, come just, off. Just say it's over. Just say it's over. It's over. That's what you can say. Okay, maybe it is it's, now, but that's but it, but it hasn't. It, look, Vinny, I'm also talking to the guy who for a while has been the leader of the Kevin Durant is the best player movement. So I recognize and that. I, and I'm still I'm there. Saying, and I'm still here. No, I got you. Here. No, I got you. So maybe this doesn't apply to you, but I'm saying from a broader sense, it's relatively recent that people have taken the torch from LeBron James. For everybody wasn't else. that long ago he was still considered the best player. Yeah, for everybody yeah. else who doesn't have that Kevin Durant take. But let me yeah. ask you this: Look, I, I, just one more thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just one more thing on Steph. I, do you? Can you think of somebody, an individual? I'm talking about, who has you'd say, "Wow, they do a good job of guarding Steph." I know teams. Like he hasn't won a Finals MVP, so you could argue that you know Cleveland had a good approach against him even though they lost the series. But can you think of an individual who has checked him and you said, you know, respectable job? That's interesting because I don't think of Steph in, in a one-on-one context because, and, and, and not to cop out, but you rarely see Steph just handle the ball for 25 seconds on a shot clock. 
He's moving around. He's running around screens. That's the offense into himself. That's the beauty of Steph is that it's not like where it's Michael Jordan and the Jordan rules where you got Dennis Rodman and Joe Dumar shadowing him because he has the ball all the time. And it's not, you know, a sort of Magic Johnson sort of thing where he's dictating and orchestrating the offense from different parts of the floor. The beauty of Steph is that he doesn't have the ball. Like when you saw Matisse Thibault uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers, stay in his chest, stay on that shoulder and not allow Steph to sort of use that tricky quickness, that tricky length that he has to get around guys and play the angles. That's some of the best defense that I've seen being played on a healthy Steph. Now, if you want to say in 2016, the Cavs would beat him up and wore him down and everything else. Absolutely. That was something there. But the beauty of Steph is that you don't really look at him as a player that you guard one-on-one. It's kind of like a gift and a curse. When you think of best one-on-one scorers in the league, I instantly don't think of Steph in that way. I think of KD. I'll think of, you know, even a, a guy like Dame, or I'll think of a, you know, a healthy and sane Kyrie Irving in that way. But Steph, as far as can I get us a bucket, Steph is at the top of the list of can I get us a bucket either by drawing two defenders when I don't got the ball or being able to break free and getting a shot. So from the standpoint of defense, it's really hard to contextualize. And that's a great question, Michael Holly. You are on your game today, man. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Vinny. Thank you. I it's not often. It. It's not often on basketball. That was sarcasm, wasn't it? Game. No, that, no, I thought that no, was. No, I'm that sorry. Was, I thought that was sarcasm. No, no, no. It was backhanded. It was backhanded because oh, usually okay, he's okay, never okay. on his game. It okay, was okay. Today that was a it, really, it was, that was a it was backhanded like this. You are you are on it. It was like this. It. it was heck out of backhand. Uh, the Bulls ain't playing no games right now. Uh, back-to-back games postponed. First NBA team to postpone it because of COVID. Uh, the NBA uh, will consider, Vinny, you know this, fully vaccinated status to mean booster shot as of a couple of days from now, the 17th. The NFL uh, wants boosters for Tier 1 and Tier 2 employees by December 27th. Um, take us inside NBA circles, NBA conversations, coaches, general managers, players, everybody you're in constant communication with. How terrified is the NBA about this thing getting out of control? I don't know if they're terrified, but they are clearly aware. Like, you know, I was talking to someone earlier, like, hey, could the NBA have to shut this down? And the reply was, in the words of Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. So when you think of the context of, here's here's my problem with it, to even pull it back a little bit, y'all. I wish that the NBA, and I understand why they didn't do it, but I wish that the NBA repeated what they did last season. Last season, they released the first half schedule. And so that a room for cancellations, that allowed room for cancellations and postponements and everything else, that you could make up on the back end and you can have those arenas and that availability and everything else. Now, granted, there were no concerts and everything else that arenas can take up now, and you'd have to do a lot of coordination specifically with the NHL to make sure that some of those dual facilities you know, could be available. But I wish they had been able to do something like that that allows for margin for error in case this thing comes back. Because for us to assume back in September, October, August, whenever the NBA decided to put this schedule out, that we were done with COVID, that everything is going to be back to some level of normalcy, that just basically spits on everything that we've come to come in contact with over the past, you know, basically 18 to 20 months or so. And I wish they had given themselves a little more wiggle room. Teams are worried. Players are worried. The thing that I have heard from some of the players who I know that have been 
uh, have been contacted, not a lot of them have experienced the great symptoms. Like Joel Embiid said it kicked his behind, yeah. but that's kind of like the only one that I've heard of. Most guys are asymptomatic, so at least, at least hopefully, maybe that Johnson & Johnson shot works. Maybe they're just going to have to go and actually get the real dosage this time. All right, man. All right, man. We appreciate you, man. Way to bring some levity to it. Uh, take care of yourself. And uh, we're not here Friday, so that's all, all we right, got Vinny. to today. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, Barring any good to see you, Vinny. Yes, sir. Always hey, good. Uh, hey, Mike, uh, as, we, uh, as, we go to, um, as we go to break, Gary, do you have the, uh, the Gary Payton video for me by any chance? I don't know if you saw this, Michael. Let's see if we have it. We could squeeze, squeeze it in before the show's over. Steph is the show tonight, of course. Everybody tearing in for Steph. But if you happen to have tickets to the game and you're sitting behind Gary Payton II, he gonna look out for you. Check this out. My fault, my fault. What was that? Can you get him another beer? I just dropped it. What'd you have? A truly? My fault, y'all. I'm sorry. Defensive specialist, waiter. Gary Payton doing it all tonight here in Indiana. Man, I mean, we talk about negative fan player interactions all the time. People cussing, great. cussing players out, getting kicked out the game. Players cussing fans out, getting fined. That's what you want to see in terms of interaction. That's a full experience. So shout out to Gary Payton, the second, and his My parents. Fault. Cause I'm that's sorry. like, I mean, like you ain't got to go that far, man. Like you what went you, overboard being what you drink accommodating. Can we get him another yeah, beer? right. That was fantastic. Bravo, bravo to him. That was that was. Have awesome. you ever? Have, uh, you know. have you ever had a, a, a fan uh, an interaction at, in your role as a fan with an athlete where you say, "Wow, that was really nice." Anything like that? My role no? as a fan, or well, my I role mean, as as a fan, who I am. I mean, like. Yeah, you are who you are, but you were there as a fan, and at a, and somebody at a game, yeah, at a game, not that I could yeah. think of, but I, I think I think you okay. would agree with this. These guys are really, by and large, really good human beings, and and, yeah, and well, will go above well, and beyond part, yes. to to make people feel comfortable. And so Gary Payton is yeah, not in the minority, part, contrary to what people may that, think of that, professional cats, athletes. Yeah. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.